This is an RNZ podcast. This is a news report by internet firm Tencent from September 2015 about consumer prices in China. It is a decently written article. It laid out the economic data. It presented several analysts' different takes on the numbers. But what's really unique about this is that it was written by a robot. The AI robot is called Dream Rider. It's been operational for nearly two years now, publishing more than 2,000 articles per day. That was the beginning of a report on the China Global Television Network back in 2015. And as you heard there, a robot, or more accurately a computer algorithm, was being used to write news stories. Fast forward to November last year, and the Chinese state news agency Xinhua had moved one step closer to robotic journalism. Hello, everyone. I'm an English artificial intelligence anchor. This is my very first day in Xinhua News Agency. My voice and appearance are modeled on Zhang Zhao, a real anchor with Xinhua. The development of the media industry calls for continuous innovation and deep integration with the international advanced technologies. I will work tirelessly to keep you informed as texts will be typed into my system uninterrupted. Around the same time, one of Microsoft's AI researchers, Mar Gonzalez Franco, was telling a gathering of editors in Lisbon about huge leaps in computer power. We can translate Wikipedia in less than a tenth of a second. This is six billion words. Out of, it's, it's faster than blinking. In the same session, Reuters Editorial Chief Operating Officer Reg Chua pointed out that the pace of change posed real challenges for journalism. So I think we're at an early stage where, you know, just as the early age of photography a century ago, you know, where we really need to sort of evolve standards and systems for explaining to, to readers what we're doing, what the methodology is. We need to be much more clear about what the, the biases are in the data that we're analyzing, the biases in the algorithms that we're using to analyze that data, and things that we can create so that people have a, a good sense of comfort that what they're getting in a cybernetic newsroom, is the sort of um, thing that they can trust. And last month, NBR's technology writer Rob O'Neill warned that artificial intelligence snake oil was being peddled by some in the industry. There's been waves and waves of technology and hype coming through the IT industry over the last 20 or 30 years, one after the other. The hype gets overblown. Every single time the hype gets overblown, and I think we're well into that stage with AI. So when it comes to AI and journalism, how do we separate the hype and gimmickry from real advances in how the craft of journalism is practised? Charlie Beckett, a professor of journalism at the London School of Economics, is as well placed as anyone to sort the journalistic wheat from the PR chaff. He's the lead author of New Powers, New Responsibilities, a global survey of how AI is being used by 71 news organisations in 32 countries. Sadly, New Zealand wasn't one of them. That was published last month. In the report, he writes, The hope is that journalists will be algorithmically turbocharged, capable of using their human skills in new and more effective ways. So what does an algorithmically turbocharged journalist look like? Well, sometimes they probably look a bit confused because actually understanding the algorithms uh, is complicated, but it doesn't matter. It's the tools that, that, that it can give you. Some of it is familiar. Things like search, you know, on some, somewhere like Google is algorithmically driven. But you can do a lot more. The, the tools can help journalists to do better news gathering. You know, they can search 
huge data sets like bank records or court records to find information. It helps them to write the stories. We've seen fantastic machine learning tools for things like translation. There's a tool, for example, that can check whether your news website has got a good gender balance of imagery of you know men and women, and it'll tell you if you haven't. And then, of course, perhaps most importantly, the algorithms can kind of turbocharge the way that you connect to the people who really matter, the customers, you know, the public, and it can help us personalize that journalism. It can help us understand what kind of uh, news stories people are clicking on, whether they want more of that or whether they want something a bit different, whether they want stories long or perhaps they prefer video. So it's a complete toolkit, really. It can help all aspects of journalism. So in that sense, it puts fuel in the tank. Well, let's talk about some of the more spectacular ones that you talk about in the report. One that caught my eye was the Texties Leprosy of the Land, an incredible investigation that I think went through hundreds of thousands of satellite images to reveal this uh, illegal mining of amber. So how does something like that work? Well, that was a really interesting one, as you say. It was in Ukraine, which you don't think of as sort of, you know, cutting-edge tech country. Um, But it was a really good example of something that would have been literally impossible to do with human eyes, to program a computer to go through thousands and thousands of images. And it, it was trained, you know, you train a bit like a very clever dog to hunt out the images that reveal where amber mining is happening and so it can literally uh, paint a picture or create a map in this case of a story it gives you the evidence and as you've seen if you click on on that story it's really engaging you know it's much more interesting and informative than if it was just a long text article and that took time it's not easy you know they had to have technologists to help them program that and make it work Uh, but it was also vital that you had the journalists who could look at the data that it was getting and make a story out of it that people would actually read so that was a great example of a kind of you know one-off special use of artificial intelligence technologies and how do you prepare how you know because as a journalist i would have no idea obviously how to program a computer to do that type of thing and even more worryingly, I suppose, it wouldn't occur to me that a computer could do it. So what are the types of things that you're proposing? Me too, by the way. You know, I'm not a tech expert at all. And that's the point of this, is that it's uh, an opportunity to combine, you know, good old-fashioned journalistic skills and judgment with the technology. And that's the biggest problem that we came across, which is we're, we're in a world where, you know, artificial intelligence technologies are changing loads of different industries you know from banking to health and that means there's a lot of competition for people who know about this stuff and journalism isn't as you know isn't incredibly well resourced these days so it's going to be a real struggle to get those skilled people in especially skilled people who actually want to work with journalists and can fit into you know the special sort of ethical and editorial demands of, of journalism and there's a bigger general knowledge gap you know you are not alone in not knowing about these technologies you don't have to you don't have to know how to program the computer but you at least have to understand the kind of principles about data training and for example the risks you know that uh, is it accurate enough 
is it identifying the right kind of information and how do we use that? So the biggest challenge we identified in this report and, and what the newsrooms were telling us is that they need a lot more training, they need a lot more knowledge right across the newsroom and they need to get basically some boffins in who are prepared to work with hacks. You also mentioned a number of media organisations which are using AI to actually write stories. So you've got the Washington Post Heliograph, which I think wrote about elections and the Summer Olympics. Le Monde did a similar thing reporting all of its election results. Were there problems? Do they make mistakes? And should we be worried as journalists that, in fact, we're going to be replaced by algorithmic journalism? Well, I think the evidence from the report was that you don't replace journalists particularly because you still need them to help use these tools and to make sure they don't make mistakes. Most of the the journalism that's been replaced so far has been the boring stuff. It's been the things like the weather reports, the financial reports, the sports reports, the kind of journalism that most people don't particularly enjoy doing. It's not particularly skillful it's not particularly creative and the hope anyway is that if you get that boring stuff out the way that allows the journalist to focus on the more creative stuff like investigative journalism or human interest journalism and that seems to be the evidence so a, a, a company like bloomberg which does a lot of financial reporting they're able to put this stuff into practice straight away and it also means that they're able to do extra stuff so even the routine for example election results it means you know, they can automatically tailor the election results to your particular constituency, for example, and they can do that instantly. So it's kind of adding extra content as well as uh, replacing some of the boring stuff. We've heard a lot over recent years or probably a few years ago now about journalism and the huge amount of content which just comes straight from press releases. And I wonder if the nightmare scenario is that we're going to have AI-generated press releases being processed by AI journalists. You know, could we just see our media filled with material that literally has never touched a human hand? Yeah, I think that's a real danger, Jeremy. Most of the newsrooms I spoke to are actually adopting a strategy where they're creating less content but better content. They realise that their customers are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information out there. So from a newsroom point of view, it's kind of less is is more and and get the AI to help uh, do the boring stuff or to help you do the better journalism. But I think you're right. I think there's a real danger that, um, you know, the kind of corporate PR type people are going to want to churn out stuff and also a serious problem around, you know, misinformation and fake news that we've all heard about deep fake videos. But also we, we already have this. We have bots out there that are churning out fake news or disinformation or propaganda. And that's that's a real issue. And we need to look at how algorithms themselves can be used to police that and to counter it, to protect people from that kind of tsunami of rubbish and propaganda. You suggest in the report that there's a window of two to five years if we value journalism as a social good provided by humans for humans. Why such a short window? What's the potential problem? Yeah, I don't want to be too apocalyptic. As I also say in the report, you know, we shouldn't think that a technology is either going to save or kill journalism. But 
what was really interesting was as well as talking to you know uh, dozens of newsrooms around the world and this is what they were telling us that they fear there's a kind of FOMO thing here you know fear of missing out because they can see the usefulness of this uh, this technology and they want to get on board but if you look at other industries you can see that they are investing a lot of money very quickly now there's always a danger that you jump in too quickly and you make mistakes which is why we think it's so important to try and learn lessons from other industries like retail or banking or health lessons about you know how this technology can be adopted but also the risks you know the financial risks and the, the ethical risks as well for example of algorithmic bias but there is a sense that if you don't get with it then the point you made is is true that there are lots of bad actors out there who are going to be using this technology to create bad information so you know if we believe in serving the public then journalism does i'm afraid have to get its act together it has to at least start looking at this it's uh, not an instant fix uh, i said in the report that this is more of a marathon it's a complex set of technologies but you have to start at least informing yourself about them and asking at least is some of these technologies applicable to uh, my news organization as you said, more and more organisations, governments, corporates are using algorithms as a way to streamline or and come to decisions and so on. Is it vital that we have some transparency in those algorithms so that journalists can actually detect if there is algorithmic bias, as you mentioned? Well, absolutely. And I think this is one of the kind of key roles uh, for good journalism, which is it journalism itself has to be honest about what it's doing with AI. You know, we have to tell the public if stories are being generated by a program rather than a person. I mean, to be honest, I think a bit more transparency in journalism would be a good thing anyway, you know, to try and build trust and credibility. But I think there's also a role here for journalism to develop the knowledge about AI so it can do its job of holding other uh, organizations accountable that it has the skills to to look at the use of ai in in other industries and make sure that it's working properly just as we are supposed to have oversight over things like you know banking or health services or uh, politics so it's going to be really important i think just for journalists doing their their watchdog role properly that they don't just leave this to the tech correspondent i think we've all got to understand how AI is going to influence our lives. To what extent do you think the productivity gains, which AI will almost certainly deliver, are going to be reinvested in journalism? And is there any way that we can ensure that that does happen? Well, in the end, I, you know, you can't ensure it at all. I mean, there are definitely going to be news organisations that uh, use this to um, promote clickbait. Uh, that use it to create, as you called it, journalism, you know, average kind of content and, and save the money and they'll you know, put the, the savings in their pockets uh, or hand it over to shareholders. And I think that'll be a shame um, because I think the one thing that journalism really needs to do is invest in the quality of its product to make it different to um, the bad stuff out there on the Internet you know, to make uh, journalism feel valuable to the public. And perhaps in the end, that's, the I think, the most important thing about this uh, technology. It can help us create great stories. It can help us to uh, news gather better. But I think the most important thing is the way that it can build, you know, better connectivity to uh, real 
people, you know, the users, the consumers, the public, the citizen. Uh, and I think that is the um, the most positive thing that might come out of this, that, you know, we're able to deliver content to people when they want it, the kind of content they want, and allow them more choice and more confidence uh, in the journalism that they're getting. You mention in the report the New York Times's Project Feels, um, a project to understand and predict the emotional impact of Times articles and then serve personalised ads accordingly. I mean, that kind of gave me the creeps a bit. (laughs) Me too. Isn't that creating these feedback loops and confirmation biases that, that you've talked about? Yeah, that's a real danger. I mean, the New York Times project was actually quite a simple thing. All they were trying to do there was to make sure that if you've got a lovely, fluffy advert about children's clothes, that it's not next to some report about a mass murder or a paedophile. Um, It's it's able to sort of match the adverts to the kind of mood of an article just to avoid jarring um, moments for for the reader. But you're right, you know, that uh, the more we understand about uh, the sentiment uh, of the user or the, the reader, uh, that the more there is potential uh, for manipulating that, that it's possible just to give people the stuff that they really like. Um, most impressive stuff I saw from news organizations who said, well, actually, that's a, a very sort of narrow strategy and it's self-defeating in the end. Uh, that what people like about journalism is the serendipity, the surprise, the being told stuff that you didn't already know. Uh, so I think, you know, better news organisations will understand that. And I think um, the public themselves, you know, they don't just want to be given... It's like going to a restaurant and getting the same meal every day. Um, you know, people want some variety, they want some choice. And when it's properly programmed... You know, AI can can give you that. But of course, you're right. In the end, it's an editorial choice. In the end, uh, the humans program these, um, the, the, these, these machines, the computers. So we as journalists have, have, have the choice. Was there any particular project that you came across while researching this report that excited you? We've mentioned the big news brands like the New York Times, But I really like the work, for example, in the UK of something called Bureau Local. Uh, They're a very small independent um, news organization uh, that looks at data sets like court records or, and they did a big project on homelessness, for example. So they looked at kind of national uh, court uh, homelessness records throughout the UK. But then they were able to break that down into local uh, figures and they worked with local news organizations to create stories about homelessness in particular places. So I really like that because it was an example of clever people using the technology but then sharing their skills with uh, local news organizations to create um, stories in people's you know villages and towns, not just the spectacular international investigation. And I thought that was a really good uh, use of uh, machine learning that sort of created journalism that wouldn't have happened uh, otherwise. How are they funded? They're funded by a mix of, you know, the the, the local news organisations will um, pay them, you know, it's a kind of service, but they're also funded by foundations because, and I think this is really important, that, you know, there's opportunities here to use this AI technology to create 
um, you know, good journalism, public service journalism that uh, is really worth investing in. Uh, and uh, as you know, the times are tough for the news industry. Uh, advertising is going down. Uh, so we are having to look at other sources of, of funding, such as uh, philanthropy, especially where it's got you know a direct benefit like the Bureau Local, uh, informing people about homelessness in their area and perhaps therefore helping them to be able to do something about it. And if you were going to advise New Zealand newsrooms to get on board the AI turbocharged train, what's the first thing they should be doing? Well, I think the first thing is, apart from reading my fabulous report, is just getting yourself informed about it, really, that this this stuff is is complicated, but it's like any uh, computer tool. I mean, you don't have to know exactly how a car, a car engine works to be able to drive a car. Uh, but I think the first step is is just get yourself informed. Um, look at the, what other newsrooms are doing with this technology. Um, perhaps talk to uh, other experts. I'm sure there are tons of AI experts in New Zealand, in universities, and perhaps in other industries. Uh, so I think the first thing is get yourself informed. Don't rush into paying a load of money for something that's uh, over-sophisticated but start to think about who is there in my organization who knows about this and can start thinking at least about possible uh, use cases uh, for our newsroom. And I, I think that the, the, one of the biggest lessons is start small. You know, try something specific, something uh, relatively uh, cheap and simple. See how that works. See how your uh, work uh, flows and your, uh, you know, the, 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 the roles that people have, how management can adapt to this before you rush into a strategy. Uh, but I think, you know, really get yourself informed about this uh, because if you don't, somebody else will. That was Charlie Beckett, a professor of journalism at the London School of Economics and the author of New Powers, New Responsibilities, a global survey of how artificial intelligence is being used in more than 32 countries for journalism. And he was speaking there to Jeremy Rose.